This episode contains discussion of sexual assault, violence, and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. The theater, the theater. I have a pretty legitimate question to ask. What's up? Uh, How's Meadow? (laughs) How's No Name? Thank you so much for asking. Well, they have joined me again. Um, There they are. You know, I actually just signed a deal with them to be my (gasps) official representation. So they're going to be taking 30% of my profits for this recording. Yeah, but they're going to get you. Well, I did just buy my dream house because of this podcast. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) They're going to get you a lot more, though. They're they're, they're hardcore in the boardroom. In, right. the, yeah, in the room they don't fuck around they're gonna they crack do skulls not. and they're fuck gonna get you good deals so give them their 30 per 30 percent though yeah, yeah. They do have a stiff bargain yeah they're worth we, it we do pay in crumbs <laughs> right. from the podcast um, enjoy. how do we feel about cheese and mangoes <gasps> i'll pay you in cheese and mangoes cheese That's and mangoes Perfect. what about That's prosciutto good with you guys Ra- prosciutto? Prosciutto around the, yeah. the melon. They're discussing. They're Fancy. discussing. Yeah, we're we're go. We're going for <laughs> we're Easter candy. Cool. It's the best candy Easter of the candy? year. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, happy. Um, uh, He's risen. Egg day. Pesach. Oh right, that one too. That too. That too. Happy Pesach, y'all. Oh, we had happy a Pesach, triple yeah. threat of a holiday this weekend. Yeah. All right. It was Easter. It was Passover Passover. and Ramadan. And then Mm -hmm. next Wednesday, I believe, starts Yamashoah. Okay. Which is the Holocaust remembrance. Oh, my gosh. We got Uh, a lot going on right now, y'all. I will share related to theater. I'm sorry, Bailey. I interrupted you. No, I said hi, CJ. Hey, um, (laughs) I will say my favorite East. I'm going to say it, and I will say it. You will say this? I'm going to say it now. I'm trying really? to break myself of that habit. I, um, you know what, though? I listen to podcasts all day, every day, because that's my whole entire life. Everyone says that. <laughs> I'm going to say. Before they say something, they that go, I will I'm going to say. say. I will say this. I will say. I have to Everyone say. Everyone does that. I've just, maybe it's because I listen I'm just to gonna say. podcasts that I've started catching myself. Anyway, you will my, say this. Let's hear my it. My favorite, and I think I sent it to... Uh, Bailey and Scott, my favorite Easter meme was it was Eileen Stretch, and oh, yeah. it just says rise, rise a million times, rise. exclamation point, with rise. Jesus in the background. <laughs> Mine was a picture. This was a little too soon, and I, you know, maybe I it's saw. a little, yeah, it was, it was a little, it was a little much, but I also laughed and I shared it with just friends on Instagram just close friends on Instagram <laughs> and it was uh it was just a picture of Betty White coming out of of the cave and it just said she is risen if she only is, we should start a religion but, around Betty White I already did 
It'll oh, get corrupted. No. Join anytime It'll you get want. corrupted. It'll get corrupted. Have you not read your Dune? CJ, I know you just uh, finished book two. I did just finish Dune uh, Messiah. The, that, the Betty it's... White faith would turn very dark very quickly. I think. But how not in our lifetime. But it'll be a hell of a ride. Casper, it would be right. fun, though. It'll be a hell of a ride. Communion would be cheesecake. CJ, you can be our, our deacon. Oh, my God. Can't wait. Casper, deacon you can be CJ. our... Well, I'm obviously the founder and and uh, charismatic leader. For sure. Of the so group. it's a cult now. No. <laughs> Perfectly normal. You know, religion has a wide spectrum. It's not just cults anymore. You know, sometimes Betty speaks through me. Okay. I, I would like I would like to be in charge of the money. You, you can the treasurer? Trust me. You can be the treasurer. Perfect. You're the church treasurer. I'm putting it somewhere safe. Why do you have all these house? Why do you have all these properties in Boca Raton all Don't of a sudden? Don't worry about that. Focus on your faith. You got five houses. This is, houses. Always, this is definitely a cult, me. and we haven't Don't even officially started it yet. It is a cult. <laughs> so one, I've got twenty Rolls Royces. Okay. Yeah, and I'm we're gonna not. have. I, I guarantee this cult will have more more followers than this podcast does. Oh, <laughs> I know. But we do need to make that correction that you said last week that we get 500 listens a day. And I said actually... that off off mic. Oh. But, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we Thanks can make for, corrections to things I said randomly daily. to you. Yeah, no. um, shame, corner, shame corner. Shame corner. <laughs> I accidentally said week when I meant. Uh, I said day when I meant week. Uh, <laughs> Hey, 500 a week is pretty good. That's pretty good. What Bailey was doing was manifesting. That is the power (laughs) of the Betty White religion. It's true. This number on the screen. Give us your donations. (laughs) (laughs) Our treasurer is at work already. They're killing it. They're killing it. Um, But I was, I kind of tried to make a segue about followers into the podcast. It didn't really work. It's okay. I'm just going to intro the podcast now. Uh, If this is your first episode listening to us, then this is a weird entry point. So I think it's great. No, start at episode one of Nottage. You need to know her context. But uh, all that to, all all that to say, I will now say this. Say it. Welcome. (laughs) Welcome to Theater Theater, the theater podcast for theater nerds made by three theater makers from the L.A. theater scene. I'm Jay Bailey Burcham. I'm C.J. Merriman. And I'm Scott Leggett. And each week we get together to discuss, debate, and disseminate the evolutions of the great playwrights by taking a macro look at macro three of their plays. Macro meaning big. Hey, C.J.? <laughs> C.J.? Yeah? Will you note that in the log, please, that hmm. macro means big? Veiny. Great. Great. <laughs> uh, you, guys, you remember in, in Star Trek <laughs> when Casper, you and I had, talked about this the other day. You remember in Star Trek when uh, somebody would like Picard would be making some like insane decision. No, we're gonna we're gonna fly full force into their ship, and somebody would speak up and be like, "I don't like this," and he'd be like, "Note it in the log," and then they'd still do it anyway. <laughs> Make it so. Yeah, I'm gonna start doing that to you guys. Anytime you don't like what I'm doing, I'm just gonna Make go. Make it a log. It's noted in the log. Um, oh, you have to follow it up with "Make it so." It's just Make so, it so final. Make, Make it, it so. Like, what do you say? Say, but like. I, I guess I I'm, guess I'm gonna go make that so. Oh yeah, it's, shit. Patrick now Stewart I'm... tells you to make it so. <laughs> make it or so. Janeway. Would. Or, or Jane Janeway. Way. I'll I listen to Janeway. Would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is they could both get it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, we take a macro look at three plays. Uh, this is part two of three of our mini series covering the works of Lynn Nottage. That's right. It's crumbs from the podcast of Joy, which is what we pay yes. our guests in. Uh, crumbs. Last week we obviously you mean took Joy. A... Stop. Oh. Stop. <laughs> Last week we took a look at intimate apparel and not uh, just the play. We also uh, stripped oh. down and showed each other our intimates, and it was pretty. It's pretty sad. I'm that was off. Mic. I'm not wearing the Patreon. Intimate. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I wasn't supposed to talk about that. Oh yeah, we recorded it for the Patreon, uh, which we don't have. Uh, this week we are covering Ruined, uh, which is a Pulitzer Prize-winning play, and next week we'll be covering Sweat, another Pulitzer Prize-winning play, making her the. Only, Only female playwright to have two Pulitzers. Two. That's right. Yeah. Uh, and for all three eps, of course, we are joined by... <laughs> I, I said it last week, but I have to be honest, dude. Probably the most legitimate friend on the planet. Like, just the best person. Just like... <laughs> the ultimate human... Come on. Ultimate human, I like. Who no that. one will ever live up to, and I'm not even bullshitting. Uh, this is the uh, the incredible performer, writer, producer, artist, activist, Casper. Everybody, hey, Casper. hi friends. This is gonna make it super awkward when I steal all the money from your cult. <laughs> sure, but as the charismatic leader, I have to present nothing but positivity. So right, I'm right. the deacon. I don't know what my job is. <laughs> Stand there, look pretty. To deke. You got a deke. I know how to deke. <laughs> I'm the, um, I feel like I'm the, um, the janitor who does tasks for the church. Quote, but actually, oh. yeah, exactly. That's yeah, what I was going to say. Yeah, I, fixer. Do, I, I do. I, yeah, I'm the fixer for the church. I take care of. You're the one who problems. follows our, the people who leave. You follow them with cameras and such. Oh, that's horrible. Make sure man. they end up oh. in wooden coffins. Oh. We're worse than Scientology. Like, we're way beyond. <laughs> like, yeah. We haven't I'm, even started it. We're, we're worse than Joe's. It's already gone wrong. Yeah. There's already mass suicide taking place. Uh, I think it's it's important to clarify your goals from Jump, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Agreed. As long as everyone knows where we're headed, it's fine. Right. Ah, fuck. Hi, Casper. It's good to see you. Hi. It's so good to be here. We're in a weird um, energy today, y'all, but it's... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's appropriate. It is raining and very cold here in New York City. I'm pretty sure I saw signs of hail. Ooh. I uh, was like just starting to fall into a rhythm where I'm like, yeah, maybe I could do this. Maybe all of my friends who are like, I see you in New York City aren't just straight assholes. And then <laughs> I got off the train and I said, oh no, <laughs> I'm not built for this. <laughs> it's a different vibe. It I is a it. so different vibe. Same with Chicago. Like, you know, I lived in Chicago for a while too. And that was like, its own vibe, its own train energy, its own walking energy, but it was definitely more akin to New York than LA in terms of right. just being out and about and, you know, um, and, then, yeah. well, the, and like the, the weather of it all. I uh -huh. see why everyone's so angry all of the time. <laughs> not, not that I'm calling New Yorkers angry. Please do not at me. <laughs> to say, hey, CJ, can you note in the log? That uh, noted. <laughs> I'm just going to note in the log that 
We hate New York. I want to shirt that I've says, talked shit on New York. New York. <laughs> I've talked shit on New York so much in this podcast. It's a good thing we only get 500 listens a week. <laughs> the only New York I fuck with is Tiffany Pollard. Hey. Also, New York is like our number two city in terms of listens. So maybe know. I'm the reason we only get 500 listens then. Because oh, New yeah. York's like, fuck CJ Merriman. Yeah, New York's CJ. number two? I take no. back. Everything I just said, casperofficial.com, because <laughs> I'm a resume looking for work. Thank you so much. Noted in the log. Noted in the log. I will say that, I will say this, that. Note it. <laughs> fuck i lost it what were we just talking about i don't know new york being our second most oh, oh but we've always presented it okay new york anyone listening from new york i want to say this to you i will say, say this to you <laughs> i think that our point has never been broadway's stupid and new york is trash and everyone there sucks except maybe from cj but from <laughs> my perspective it has always actually been like yes new york broadway great but there is beautiful art being made all over this planet. And for us right. to only focus our money, energy, and passions towards Broadway is a disservice to all the other beautiful things that are happening. And I think that's why Agreed. we, I personally at least, have a lot of negative feelings about things like Hamilton when they first come out, where I'm just like, I'm going to actively not see that show because of how many hundred people I know that bought $600 tickets right. to that yeah. to sit in the mezzanine who wouldn't even come to my $30 show two weeks ago. Right. So right. it's like, right. I don't know. Right. Well, and that's the killer part too, because I'm here in New York City working on a show with this avant-garde experimental theater company, which is like so much of what New York theater scene has offered to us uh, mm -hmm. in, in the industry. And so even within this beautiful city, there's a lot more to celebrate outside of just the Broadway. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Agreed. Uh, it's like I, sure. I had a buddy of mine who went to London right before the pandemic and he was like ah, i'm gonna go see big shows i'll go to the national I'm go to the see west shows. end yeah yeah he's like i'll do that but he's like but i'm gonna spend some time and he's like he spent three straight days just seeing small underground theater in mm -hmm. london he spent a hundred pounds and he was like it's the best theater i've ever seen in my fucking life yeah and he's like i had to look for it i had to go find it but it okay. it's there and i think that that's what we forget sometimes i think that's what um, the public forgets sometimes when you have the tonys which are such it's really fucking insular the tonys yeah. are a yeah. really small insular thing and we we often take that as that's theater in america and it's like no i guarantee you somewhere in minnesota they're doing a, a tracy let's play or a susan Lurie parks play and their brains are being people's brains are being blown because they haven't I, I been talk exposed about it to all it all the time yeah. i talk about it all the time kansas city theater y'all kansas city theater is bumping it's going hard i saw uh, no i didn't get to see it sorry i saw the osf sweat but uh, a few years later, they did it. I, I think it was at the Unicorn or maybe the Rep in Kansas City. And Teddy Trice, past guest of the show, was in it. Uh, and it was like one of the first productions of it outside of West Coast. Well, I feel like uh, the Midwest would be a great, great place to do sweat. Oh, it's a perfect, I mean, yeah. come mm -hmm. on. It's the perfect place to do it. Um, Shout out to all the people. people. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. the people out there making art that like can actually change people's hearts and minds Absolutely. and crack them open. Here, here. And it's not Little Mermaid. 
Right. <laughs> and and the Midwest, especially if we're talking nottage, the Midwest and of course the South, of course the South, but being from the Midwest specifically, like growing up there, like there are so many things like the sweat story where we're, we're yeah. not talking sweat today, but there are so many things like that where it's just about forgotten people. There's so many small towns and farmers. Mm. You want to talk about farmers, like these forgotten people, these factory workers, like, and she gives them a voice. Yeah. Right. Very yeah. much so. Right. Of and all to races. To see yourself reflected and yes. mm -hmm. like in the arts, it literally has the power for people who are not within the arts, who like uh, those of us who already know that power that it has, but like exactly. to pull them in, to put them over the line of like, now I'm an active supporter because someone took the time to tell a story that actually reflected and engaged me. Exactly. Um, yeah. Sure. Also found out today, so the show I'm working at Mabu Minds, I guess Lynn Nottage is an old company <laughs> member of uh, Mabu Minds uh, and lots of her work. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So shout out to them. Shout out to her. The yeah. reason for the season. Hello. I've been pushing. I mean, I we might have to cut this out. Actually, no, I, we don't have to cut this out. I've been pushing. I've been talking about it like crazy at the Playhouse to be like, because we've there's been discussion of like maybe like a festival of some kind and like where we focus on one or two playwrights or like Sondheim or like Rodgers and Hammerstein and then like a playwright. And I was like, yo, let's do a, if we're going to do one that's like musicals, do the other one that's like just three Lynn Nottage plays mm -hmm. or like three Susan Laurie Parks plays. And that's kind of, mm -hmm. we've been kind of like looking into it. I can't promise anything. I don't know where anything's headed there, but I've been pushing it for two years during COVID when I was the only person on, on site every day. Oh, alone in the playhouse. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I love tracking Nottage. I love like, and just like seeing where she's at now. Cause I don't think, I think she has so much more to go. Oh, right. Oh yeah. We don't. We don't even know. We tend to cover deceased playwrights. We also tend to cover playwrights who have like really massive, uh, you know, thirty to fifty play uh, uh, chronologies. Yeah, uh, I mean, hers is not so not so dense, which is which is good because it means she's got more to do. Mm -hmm. uh, but I want to. I want to step through that. Can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do, that? do it. I wish yeah. you would. You know what yeah. we should do? What? We should play a stinger. Oh, I, I, I love this sticker. I love this sticker. <laughs> Let's do it. Chronology. Chronology. Uh, so I'm going to start here because this is interesting to me. Now, Scott, during Scottopedia, you yes. talked a little bit about how she had written things in like high school. And, and earlier. And earlier. And earlier. What yeah. was the one? It was some danger in Verona? Uh, something in Verona. Something oh, right. in Verona, yeah, that was about the um, hold on, let me darkness in Verona. I don't know, a darkness in Verona. That's it, darkness in Verona, uh, which sounded very interesting to me. And I, I, uh, I want to like figure out where we can find that. But uh, her true career starts once she has she has left school, right? Mm. Um, I want to start here though. She wrote a short play that ends up winning the Heidemann Award. Uh, in 1993, at the Actors Theater of Louisville. Wow, oh, yeah, deeply. Uh -huh. it's this Louisville. Was, no, it's Louisville. Louisville. No, it is Louisville. Like locals. Louisville. It's Louis, Louisville. Uh, I get it. I'm. My parents are from Russellville, Alabama. Russell. And if you say Russellville, uh -huh. or like say Ville, at they'll the end, shoot they'll, 
Oops. Oh. <laughs> they'll shoot you. Oh, well, they'll do worse than that, probably. Um, wow. Anyway, poof! Desecrate exclamation point. Poof! Exclamation point is the name of this short play, uh, and it was for Humana Festival. <gasps> Humana Festival. Yes, I just always Humana. have to react like that every time we talk about Humana. We Festival. love Humana. <laughs> wait, wait. We stand Humana. What is what's Humana Festival? Wow. Wow. <laughs> It's a Every play <laughs> that they only threw at me in college because maybe it had young women in the roles. <laughs> well, so yeah, it's a festival, it's oh. a playwright fest, but they put out all of the plays that get into the festival every year, they put it out as a book. So, so colleges with script libraries tend to pick up these books because it's really easy to find just like good solid scenes, two person scenes in a lot of these because they're usually like smaller plays. So Humanifest has been going on since I think like the 60s? Yeah, I think that this year's the first year they're ta they're taking a year off, I believe. Hmm. Yeah. Um if I'm not mistaken. It's always and... struck me as the Lilith Fair of theater festivals. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely it's sure. you know, it's it's done at the Actors Theater in Louisville and it's um it's it's always a blast i kind of got to go years ago to like the end of one and you just run from theater to theater and you see these shows and it's always they're always immaculately done and they usually have professional um professional actors going it's like fringe with quality control um <laughs> not that fringe is bad sometimes but fringe is I've really seen some stinkers yeah, i've seen really... some real fucking stinkers at fringe seen some trash so... Uh, but uh, this short play was made into a PBS broadcast in 2002 with Rosie Perez and Viola Davis. Yeah. Ooh. Sounds awesome. Yes. Uh, and then it was also recorded for uh, Playing on Air, which is a podcast I, that I had never heard of. But uh, Audra McDonald was in the cast for that. So that's <laughs> well, all right. Wow, well, anyway, right. after that, that's 1993. In 1995... Uh, I'm five years old. Uh, the play premiere. I turned five that year. Uh, the I am, play premiere. I am. Happy uh, birthday. I'm not five years old. I'll You're six years old. That. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the in 1995, Crumbs from the Table of Joy, not Podcast of Joy. That's the name of this miniseries. Crumbs from the Table of Joy is her first official premiere of a play. It premiered off-Broadway at the Second Stage Theater, which she has a lot of things performed uh, there. It's uh, It was actually part of their teen audience programming for teens. That teens. makes sense. Yeah. I um, It was the one LA Theater Works Lynn Nottage that we had on mm -hmm. Scribd, so I had a long drive yesterday. So I decided to listen to it and a whole other time period with different people. And it's a beautiful story and that I've only listened to it once, but it was, it was just great. And I'm like, damn, this woman just writes about everybody and everything. And it's always beautiful. Hmm. Yeah. It's a really interesting play. It's, it's about a, a black man in the 1950s who moves his two teenager, I think they're daughters, right? Mm -hmm. so his mm -hmm. two teenage daughters from Florida to Brooklyn. And uh, he's grieving the death of his wife and i think there's like some communist scare yeah. stuff going on and yeah it's it's pretty intense but but uh i feel like i've read it like as i was reading about it, i was like have i read this play but maybe i i in the the hogwarts uh script library i i read a lot of shit so i don't know what i read there maybe i read this maybe i didn't but uh the new york times specifically said because this was her first outing and they had specifically said that it had an adolescent 
quality, mm-hmm. suggestive of a playwright still struggling to emerge from studied imitativeness mm. into mm. her own mature voice was the mm-hmm. exact quote. Yeah. I, I can get that. I, you know, I think every we've every playwright we've covered, their first outing tends to be like, oh, you're doing Beckett. Oh, you're doing this kind of thing. I mean, even my first play, Three Guys, One Group on, is is basically waiting for Godot. I mean, like when you really break it down, basically. you're like, oh, it's <laughs> it's waiting for Godot. But it's it's not. But it's it. You know, I, if you looked at it enough, you could say it was very Beckett. Um, and so I can I can see that here. I can understand that. But she said of the play that it w- she felt like the 50s, and this is this is actually her quote, the 1950s were such a moment in American history in which I felt so much change occurring. Everything I had seen was in black and white, and I wanted to make it colorful, so I started writing crumbs from the table of joy to try to understand that era better. Title God, alone she's is so pretty fucking, fucking cool. Hot. He's really cool. <laughs> crumbs from the table of joy. Great title. After that, in 1995, she does a, uh, a political satire one-act called Pornockers. Okay. Pornockers premiered at the Vineyard Theater. And the name is, it's actually P-O-R apostrophe knockers. And it's, it's based on pork knockers, which are the Guyanese gold and diamond miners. Mm. Um, and which actually gets discussed a little bit in Ruined, right? And a similar thing gets discussed in Ruined where they're talking about these men who find, who are like mining and they find gold and then they have like riches or like, you know, forever, even though they were just like a humble miner or whatever. This is kind of just about that. Um, Pork Knocker uh, is is a name given to these miners because they would eat pickled pork, um throughout the day, I, I guess, is, is how they right. got that name. But the play itself follows two contrasting stories about these these people. Um, and then in 1997, two years later, so every couple of years she's doing a play, uh, she does Mud River Stone. I would like to read this play. It mm. is, uh, it's about an African-American couple traveling through Africa. So they're American. They're traveling through Africa, and they get stuck in a rainstorm at an old colonial motel, hotel. Wow. And it's like a white owner and like this young bellhop, local bellhop who like is really scared of everything that's going on. So it's get out. I don't know. I was just about to say. (laughs) It kind of sounds that way. Like I'm like really excited. Jordan Peele could have. True, but based, based on the cast list, it's only like five people. So it's not like there's like 50 white people like, you know, surrounding like white. It only takes one. Exactly. (laughs) That's what I was going to say is it feels like it's very much about this one dude. And it's I'm I'm interested. I really want to see it. Anyway, Mud River Stone sounds great. Uh, Premiered at the acting company. uh, And then it went to New York and for the Playwrights Horizons. And uh, it was a finalist for the Susan Smith Blackburn Award and won a bunch of other uh, uh, numerous, uh, it won numerous regional theater awards, it says here. Uh, In 2002, so she takes a break. She doesn't write anything from 1997 till post 9-11. So we're in 2002. She writes Las Meninas, which it follows uh, the true story of Queen Maria Teresa of Spain, which was the wife of Louis the... 14th? 14th? 
Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and her affair with her African servant, Nabo, who was a dwarf from Dahomey. So Wow. wow. Interesting. <laughs> that sounds, da- that sounds like Lynchian. That it sounds David Lynchian. I'm like, I'm in. It sounds crazy, and yeah. it sounds good. Casper, do you know anything at all about Las Meninas? Because I feel like I need to find this play. I've never heard of this in my entire life. This is the first I'm hearing of it. I'm going to find but it. But I'm into it, like yeah. really into it. I'm going to find it. We're all going to read it. It premiered at the San Jose Rep. Oh, wow. Uh, so real close. And it was awarded a Rockefeller grant. And it also won the AT&T On Stage Award, which I didn't know AT&T had a stage award, but sure. Sure. Why not? Then uh, the next year, right away, 2003, she writes Intimate Apparel, a play we'll never talk about on this podcast. No, uh, but, but we already did. Oh, you're right. That's right. <laughs> um, and then the next year. Now, I also would like to find this play. Honestly, I, I need to read her whole canon because we, yeah. these all excite me. And besides her first one, none have really gotten negative reviews. And even the first one didn't get negative. It just had that one New York Times article that was like, feels a bit like an emerging play, right? But great. Um, this is the this one got rave reviews. This is called Fabulation or The Re-Education of Undine. This is in mm. 2004. It wins the Obie Award plus a bunch of other Obies. This is a companion piece to Intimate Apparel. Yes. Ooh. It's yes. set 100 years later, but dealing with the same circumstances. Ooh. I would love to read or see this play. Fabulation or the Re-Education of I think Undine. that's saved on either Scribd or Perlego. I Ooh, found that cool. one and saved it. So. Uh, and that was another off-Broadway at Playwrights Horizons premiere. Then in 2008, she does Ruined, which we will be talking about today. And then in 2011, a few years past, she writes, by the way, meet Vera Stark. This gets rave reviews. The, another play I'm very excited to buy. It premieres off-Broadway at Second Stage Theater in 2011. Um, this is drawing upon the screwball films of the 1930s. Uh, taking a funny and irreverent look at racial stereotypes in Hollywood. Hot. So th- it's about uh, Vera Stark, who is a 70-year, uh, excuse me, it is a 70-year journey through the life of Vera Stark, who is a headstrong African-American maid, but she's trying to be an actress. So it's sort of the story of her budding uh, uh, performance career and her tangled relationship with her boss, who is a white Hollywood star, and uh, he is desperately grasping to hold on. Excuse me, she is desperately grasping to hold on to her career as she deals with him because she is also um, uh, uh, his maid uh, while trying to be an actress. Uh, and the title character Vera Stark is based on black actress Teresa Harris. Interesting. So apparently it's a semi-true story. Casper, have you read Vera Stark? You you won't stop tossing to me, Bailey. Here's the thing. (laughs) I ask is because this is a play that I feel like I've seen the name of a thousand times. Me too. But I've never heard of it. Like I've never, I never knew what it was about till now. 
I, I have heard of it. I was aware of the loose general story, but I've never read it, never seen it. I think we should find um, it. I think this is an interesting... It. I mean, obviously, we're going to find all these. We're going to find them all, guys. We're going to find them all. Maybe we and should just, just do them. it. We should just put it up. Listen. Tomorrow. Listen. Tomorrow. Uh, Zoom play. Zoom play. We'll do another one. Um, I can't do it anymore. I miss uh, those. I don't. No one ever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so then 2015, she writes Sweat, uh, which we will talk about next week. Uh, it was commissioned by Oregon Shakespeare Festival. And then 2018, three years after that, she writes Malima's Tale. This premiered off-Broadway at the Public Theater. The play concerns an elephant named Malima. And she is trapped inside the clandestine international ivory market. Whoa. And it is played by, it was played by an actor, uh, male actor, uh, uh, when they did it at the, the Public Theater. So I don't know how they do that. I don't know if it's vocal. I don't know if it's just a person on stage uh, in gray in, yeah like horton from Susical. <laughs> i don't know i don't know what you do here uh but maybe yes, yes. and then um that, that sounds like an interesting play and then um in 2019 she writes a play called floyd's which was commissioned by the guthrie theater uh she brings back kate horisky who had uh directed crumbs and also had directed uh did she direct did she direct intimate apparel she did she directed Uh, intimate apparel and she directed and collected the interviews for ruined yes it was the two of them that went to africa yeah so this must be this is a cool partnership to me because she directs a lot of her first runs of shows she doesn't usually get like the off-broadway or the broadway run as director which is interesting Mm -hmm. misogyny but she does get Misogyny. To direct a lot. Misogyny. <laughs> chronology. Misogyny. 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 Chronology. Misogyny. Um, no, but it sounds like it seems like a really cool partnership. I want to look up Kate's career. She seems interesting. Um, and then uh, th- this this takes place at a sandwich shop trucker stop. Say that hmm. ten times fast. Five times fast. Sandwich, sandwich shop, trucker stop, stop, trucker stop. And uh, it sandwich also shop, takes place shop. in <laughs> Reading, Pennsylvania. Yes. <clears throat> so it sweat is takes place. also uh, inspired by her time spent there when she was writing Sweat. And it sort of happened uh, in 2019. It didn't really get like a le- very legit. It got like a little bit of a run, but then they were trying to keep it going and then COVID and then other stuff. And so they just, it didn't really happen. So during COVID... Nottage re-addressed the play, and she ended up renaming it Clyde's instead of Floyd's, and cast Uzo Aduba as the lead, and who, by the way, look up pictures, is sexy. Also, my doppelganger, in case any of the listeners out there. (laughs) Y'all could easily play like a solid sibling on stage moment. Absolutely. She's tweeted at me before. (gasps) Really? Yeah. Yeah. It was this whole thing when 
the Book of Mormon casting directors, that's right, I'm shouting you out, Book of Mormon casting directors, told me <laughs> twice that they found my gap to be distracting, even though oh they found so whole thing. So I, I, I was like, when they tell oh you this bullshit, God. but you cite Uzo Adubo as your point of reference and keep it pushing, and she tweeted, you are enough. Oh. <sighs> we should invite her in the cult. Yeah. <laughs> Uzo is already in the cult. Uzo is, is our, our uh, vice president. Um, <laughs> she already signed it. Uh, but if you do, but seriously, y'all, I might even post this on the Instagram because there's there's a picture of her in the New York Times in this role. And I'm looking at them right now. The chesticles are out and she is oh. hot. Yeah. Hot. I want to I want to kiss Uzo. Yes. Oh, I'm just saying. She's great. Yeah. Love her. Ah, Love her but the, it's running, I think, right now. Even maybe I don't oh know. I don't have goodness. the dates on that, but it's been running for a minute. I think. Go see oh, yeah. it, Casper. Go. <laughs> go Google these photos, y'all. Do yourself a uh, no. Go. I'm saying. Nice. I'm saying. Go look it up. Because <laughs> holy shit. Uh, but anyway, that's that's Lynn's last legitimate uh, play all to herself. Now, she she did a couple other things that I'm going to mention that I think are funny. Um, she wrote the libretto for the world premiere musical adaptation of Sue Monk Kid's novel, The Secret Life of Bees, a mm -hmm. book I love. Yeah, that's fun. Um, the music is written by Duncan Sheik. Does anyone, uh -oh. can anyone Wait. name, Casper, I think you already know. Wait, yeah, Scott and CJ, I who wrote... I know it's not Shrek. No, don't look it up. Don't look it up. <laughs> Damn it. I want to know, Scott and CJ, do you know what Duncan Sheik wrote? His most famous musical that he won all the Tonys I, for. I know I'm going to scream whenever you say what it is, but I can't think of what it is. Duncan Sheik wrote the music for... For me. Mama! Who gave me... Spring no. Awakening. Oh, God damn it. Yeah. Damn it. And I right. have to be honest, when I heard The Secret Life of Bees and Duncan Sheik in the same... <laughs> Lynn Nottage, yes, 1,000% tracks make sense. Duncan Sheik is like a weird German white dude who, I don't know, who writes like poppy rock anthems. Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this is going to be. Have but you heard any of it? No, I'm going to look it up right now and listen to it. Right. <laughs> and then I'll sing it at the end for you. No, that's all right. No, I'm going to sing the whole soundtrack for you. Uh, oh, my right. God. I can't uh, wait. But she also did another thing I think is interesting. Um, there is a jukebox musical that uh, was originally supposed to premiere spring 2020. Previews were delayed due to COVID, and then uh, it's now going to be. Uh, well, it, it did premiere. Actually, it happened premiered. February yeah. 2022. Sorry, uh, I think it got shut down pretty quickly. I don't know <laughs> how this still got made. Maybe I do. I don't know. Diana the musical. It, this is the jukebox musical MJ the musical. <laughs> oh right, the Michael right. Jackson I musical. I don't know. It's. I think it's still running. I was. I kind of was it a is. little taken aback when I found it's out. Still that she, running. I think so. I think it yeah. got. But the, it was. It was. It was a Everything shit show right from the opening because they wouldn't let reporters ask questions, and mm. it's like, well, you know. 
But uh, listen, I'm not disparaging anybody from making money, and I hope Lynn Nottage made a shit ton of money off of it. But it was also produced by by the estate. So, like, how mm-hmm. much how much freedom she got with that? I, I'm I'll be interested to hear that story in a few years. Yeah. But it it got kind of like eh, reviews. You know, they said the performances and the music were cool, but um, well, yeah, I was just like, why 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 this Lynn Nottage? But you know, there was a two. Think, Go ahead. I was gonna say I think people are underestimating like the black community and how we just ain't gonna turn our back on like certain certain heroes. I'm not when I say we the collective we, not the collective me. No, he, <laughs> no, 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 I get you. Very no, clear, no. but I'm like it's. Yeah, and we've talked plenty on here about, you know, we're all going to have to make our choices with, you know, what artists and what art we're, yeah, I still got Michael on my, on, on my, my power walking list. Like I'm, yeah, I don't listen to pretty young thing anymore, but besides that, I, (laughs) now and then PYT is not my song of choice, but besides that, we've all got our artists that are prob that have become problematic. Right. in the last several years so meet yeah. so no one told me to mute michael jackson so how would i know any better right, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah how do you but know? I, there was like a solid two years in my life where if you asked me what my favorite movie was i would have said oh the vh1 made for tv the jackson five and american dream <laughs> that's my favorite movie of all time it's the best movie ever <laughs> uh, there was a time in my life maybe 12 13 was maybe the years but yeah, I was. The Pepsi scene, it goes hard. It goes hard. It's good. It's, it's kind so of weird. Good. Like, and the Billie Jean scene, the first, the, um, oh, and you know what scene always sticks in my, in my, uh, in my heart is the, when he's recording human nature for the first time and they're just playing human nature. It's not the actor singing, but you can just feel the actor like really just living in it. Why? Why? I think and I think that's the thing it's like so many people's careers being inspired by it's like y'all just y'all just want to sing the songs and like do the thing right Right. yeah and we don't have Justin Timberlake we don't have Bruno Mars we don't have yeah I mean there's so many things that don't happen without Michael so I get it. like also the traumatizing of all of those children so many things wouldn't have happened without (laughs) so many things things. true but uh man I, I forced myself to watch that whole leaving Neverland thing and it was it's brutal. Brutal. Uh, now that we've talked about Speaking really brutal. awful shit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good segue. Brutal. Yeah. The, there's This week we're, we are talking about a play. Now, I, I put a uh, trigger warning at the top of this episode. There's a lot here. There's a lot to discuss. Casper and I were talking about it a little bit off mic before this, though. And I kind of want to relive that, Casper, because I think yeah. what you were saying is, extremely interesting the way it started is i said i had forgotten about this play i had read read it in school maybe eight years ago and just that first scene i was like oh yeah i like these characters and within two pages i was like oh right i forgot what this is sure sure and i was not sitting watching the whole thing going oh my god oh my god oh this is horrible but right i felt something but then casper had an interesting take I did. And you know, it could be the fact that I'm a New Yorker now. And like, so my feelings are dead. Yeah. But I said, you, you hear know, that New York, I... your feelings are dead. <laughs> You're dead. We hate you. I, um, I, I read it and I almost felt nothing. I, I, no, I felt nothing. That's what I said. I felt nothing the entire time. I was yeah. very aware. Like, I was, it, it's a beautiful piece. I think mm-hmm. emotionally, I had no response and that just might speak 
to the fact that existing in the real world in this body and just knowing the level of violence that is constantly being lobbed at black female bodies on a regular Mm -hmm. I'm like something about me was reading I was like I'm reading this and yeah these are all bad things okay I don't know I should probably talk about this with my therapist this coming week but I (laughs) think that it also might have a little bit to do with the, the fact that like I know Bailey and I were discussing that you know, Lynn and Kate went and interviewed women and took these stories heights after those interviews would have been broken. If I were reading actual transcripts, I think that part of me is probably grateful to, or my brain is grateful for the opportunity to dissociate a little bit and read it in a, a fiction way. For, format um, right. because the reality is just so much harsher. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm slightly desensitized to my own suffering. I think that's a good way to put it because it was almost like you you had said it was almost like a lack of surprise. Yeah. More than anything. It was just sort of like, yeah, correct. These things happen. Yes, FGM is a massive issue. Right. We've been talking about it for years and it's still nothing has been done. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Even the fact that she, uh, I mean, this being inspired with her time with Amnesty International and the fact that it was not viewed as a human rights violation. And that was a big upsetting issue for her that it was like, maybe this is just a cultural issue. The same way that we have bride burnings and and sex trafficking. This is all just a cultural issue. We can't really do anything about this Um, and her short tenure there and then revisiting. And so, yeah, I think that um, there was a thread here. I lost it, someone reminded me. No, well, you were just, just you just d- d- needed to disconnect a little bit. It sounds like from yeah. from it, and it it also I hate to put it this way. There's also a little bit of time now, because that's what now we're looking at like thirteen, fourteen years ago, and at least a little bit more light has been shown on it. But it rocked me. It yeah. rocked me, yeah. and I knew exactly because. From if you remember part one, this is how I learned about Lynn Nottage was a story about Ruined and about how Ruined came to be that I heard on NPR, and I was like, oh, "Ooh, right. I need to check this out." And it just shook me. Yeah. So Ruined was commissioned by the Goodman Theater in Chicago. Uh, it was a co-production with the Manhattan Theater Club, and uh, Nottage, of course, brings in Kate Oriski. Which uh, and they went to Uganda together and they inter- interviewed women um, and uh, it was first performed in 2007 at the Goodman uh, and then it ran uh, for a, a long while actually and then the the play opened off Broadway at Manhattan Theater Club in New York. Uh, that's how they talk. Where everyone's right? New York. Dead. Where New everyone's York. dead. In dead New York. Your souls in New York. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> Uh, but, um, I want to know what it's about. See, just (laughs) fucking tell us. Fucking. All right. Fine. Just do it. CJ's Breakdown. A story about a small group of women struggling to find hope in the war-torn Democratic Republic of the Congo. Mama Nadi owns a bar where she provides cigarettes, alcohol, and sex workers to minors and men fighting on both sides of the conflict. She also takes in the women who have brutally been made victims of the conflict. You. Yeah. I... 
the the subject matter is so tragic and awful and terrible and then there's these light little scenes where it's like the it it's so tragic that it's like all of these women continue to go on and find things in life that made them happy mm. um and that's what hit me the most about this play and then you know i mean yeah I mean, talk about the like roller coaster of the of the tones, right? It, that first scene is a great dissection of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It starts and you have two people talking. It seems fun and cordial, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's then, a little flirty, even a little flirty and fun and kind of mean in the right way. It's all good spirits. And then the girls get brought out, and right away we're very aware. Oh, there's some kind of transaction happening about these women. Oh shit! Mm -hmm. And then very quickly we are told one of them is quote ruined is how they mm -hmm. put it, which is the name of the play, obviously, uh, but has been mutilated, female genital genital mutilation (FGM) as we should refer to it uh, the rest of the time, so we don't have to keep saying that. Um, but and you're just right away you're like oh. Oh, oh fuck that's what this play is. i liked these people now i don't but then right away right away by the end of that scene christian has we have learned this is his niece mm -hmm. this is someone he fucking cares about sophie is her name that's right sophie mm -hmm. uh and it, it, and it, that he's doing this because her family has re their family has rejected her <sighs> right yeah. and he knows what will come of her being that he knows what's there he knows what's happening that he's very aware in fact he is procurer of these things you know right and yet he would rather like get her here and have her withstand this and also you know get he's he's potting off other stuff he's like also take all of this and take this food and take right like whatever you have to whatever i have to do but please take care of her and then the whole play has that roller coaster it's what you're saying Siege, where we're just there's lightness and we come to know people as human and then we come to know people as the darker side of human and then we mm -hmm. and then we get to see them lighter get like you all i always love mama like i just do and yet you know what's happening there and yet you know that it's also her only way of protecting yeah, survival. It's, it's, so you've, you've left me with no other options, so I'm going to try to make the best of it type of mentality, I felt like. Yeah. Right. Well, and like the fact that for all of these women, they've been left with no other option. That's something that is quickly highlighted as you read through the rest of the show, because at first it's very clear. It's like, oh, so sex trafficking. Well, mm -hmm. We know that to be bad, but really, in my view, mama's place is almost like a safe haven for women you find out like they all have stories of being mm -hmm. tossed out rejected in the middle of this conflict where they would be dead otherwise and so it actually speaks to i think a, a, a stronger point to christian's character where he is obviously strongly advocating for his niece someone that he cares about but also he's bringing women here in general that would otherwise beware right right yeah yep it's it is a safe haven it is the theme of survival um that that is runs throughout the course of the play and 
I think that what struck me most is is after that, that it's the first scene that uh, it's a few weeks later, like uh, Sophie and was it Samina? Sami, uh, uh, it's Salima. Salima. Yeah. Sorry. Um, where they've kind of now they've kind of they're settled in a little bit, and then you get to have you have uh, the character of Josephine and and Sophie and. And you can see them interacting and they're living and there's, you know, um, a comfort level that they've, you know, but then then that's the micro. And then as as she pans the the camera back, you know, it's this little, you know, cafe bar hangout for soldiers that that caters to both sides. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, Mama is surviving, and so she's gonna wear she's gonna wear a red a red a red scarf on the day that the soldiers with the red scarves come in, mm-hmm. and then she's gonna turn around. And she's gonna wear a blue one the day the blue one because she don't give a fuck. She's right. just trying to survive. Right. And you know that that I, I I remember when when so much of that shit was was happening in the now Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, that was Zaire and the Mobutu thing and the rise of those warlords and all that. And we, you, you just don't think about it in those terms that the women become the victims and the children become the victims, that they are the pawns that are used um, not just in the Congo, but in, around the world. You know, we're hearing stories now about Russian soldiers doing the same thing in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the rawness of that thought on a very human level is, is, is just, I was on edge all the way through it. And it's very um, high tension, constant right. high tension. Yeah. And you're waiting it's for shit. The yeah. second you get comfortable, it's oh, like, no, no, yeah. hang on. Yeah, for sure. Right. right. But yeah, and go ahead. No, just, I mean, that, that climbing tension that you were just discussing, I just think about that in sharp parallel with the Salima story. Once you finally get it of like the day when she says it was oh. a good day, uh-huh. it was a good day. Everything seemed fine. Yeah. And then, and it's just, I feel like something that she has done so beautifully is allow us to experience um, not only what they are experiencing emotionally in real time, like in the bar, but also like this cycle that they are probably going through regularly since like before yeah. them them arriving here during whatever the after will be. We know that it's not, even though it ends and people survive, it's like, this is not, <laughs> nothing's done. This is yeah. just, we're catching you in another moment of a little respite before that cycle continues again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you guys think about the end and that final scene? It was the one criticism I I went digging into some academic papers and some feminist papers about it and a few people being disappointed about it or feeling like it was uh, a very, uh, what do they, how they describe it, heteronormative way to to end the play and then ended up on on a semi-upbeat level. I didn't. It, it didn't bother me, but I, I have been thinking about reading those. What'd you guys think? I think the thing that hit me way more than the heteronormative ending was more that Mama 
was as protective as she was of Sophie because she herself had been ruined. And mm. that that hit me between the oh, eyes for sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Same. I, you know, I read uh, I read some of that criticism after I read the play, and I'm glad I did. It was like it didn't it didn't hit me either. I think again because it's the weirdness of I'm reading a play, and so I'm not asking a play to do what a documentary might mm-hmm. what right. reality might do right. i think that i'm that i'm grateful um for the escape of this <laughs> um yeah. for myself and here i also read like part of lynn's response um my apologies if you could hear that i need to plug in <laughs> <laughs> um but what lynn's response to the criticism she said she believes that many of these critics critics have never been to Africa, that they've never spent time with these women to understand that you can be so brutalized and still find a way to heal. It was very important for me to be optimistic about that and still tell the truth. Mm-hmm. Here, here. That's yeah. kind of, that's kind of where I felt too. And, um, cause people were like, it comes out of nowhere. I'm like, I don't know if it does come out of nowhere, Mm-mm, you know? Right. And, and it almost feels like that, that they're saying like, I wanted this to be more trauma porny. I wanted this to like yeah. really show me right. That's it. That's and I'm it. like, That's that, I don't like that. This is about the modulation of normalcy. This is this is normalcy there to yeah. them in this time right so this is this is it's a modulation of tensions because that's what they're living in and so sometimes they're just like it's a family scene and they're in the they're just there and sometimes there's soldiers there and shit's crazy mm-hmm. right but like because that's how it is you know and so anyone saying like well i just felt like i wanted i wanted it to like really be like the ultimate statement on the, dead in the everything that's going yeah it's like <laughs> well that's not what we're that's not what she's yeah. trying to do and in fact her doing that wouldn't have as loud of a voice as this does in my opinion yeah. and congrats on being another asshole that just thinks that black women only deserve suffering yeah. you right. can see yourself out exactly <laughs> exactly yeah. um something that's interesting about this too is is the singing right and uh, a lot of people have compared it to like a brechtian sort of yeah of performing and i also realized while reading that and i remembered this um from my playwrights class, this is, it's basically a, a retake on Mo, uh, Mother Courage. Ooh. Yeah, there's a, there's a, definitely a lot of that in here. Basically. For sure. I mean, yeah. it's not structurally necessarily, but there's, it's got that feel and it's, and Mama is kind of Mother Courage in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of Brecht here. Um, however... What did I say, Casper, before? I, I had a really good quote and I lost it. Oh, uh, what did I say about not tossing to me anymore, Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I, I had a good one and I can't remember clear. it. I said it to you and now I can't remember it. I said what I said. I know, <laughs> but now I'm lost. I don't remember. I can't help you. I'm so okay. sorry. All I, I said something about how I thought uh, uh, Brecht is pretentious i don't know i here's the thing i think i think brecht is great i think the you know the use of music here also like is is very brechtian but uh, i'll save it for my brecht for the brecht episode i had a great quote i said to cas where i like ripped brecht apart for a second you said something about like it's like smart plays your dumb people or something like that's what it was sorry Yeah. yeah and i don't here's the thing i know people really love brecht I know our good friend Travis Gatz really loves Brecht. Mm-hmm. 
but let me just say this when so, i read bre oh we'll shout out concrete jungle at the end of this too yes yeah, i will just say this though as a per personal like someone who has worked on many a brecht uh, uh play and three penny opera twice uh i i think brecht is like smart theater for dumb people and and i think that's it is that on purpose in a lot of ways but now when we study it and people say like brecht is it brecht is it i'm sort of like I think we can do better, but I'm with you, and I think there's, there can be great things in all things. Well, and you I know, he was trying. He was. Face. He was. He was trying different things. He was pushing yeah. envelopes, and he was yeah. trying to do it for the public, for all, the people. So, right. yeah. Also, which is the point, right? Exactly. Speaking of Travis Gatz, and slight digression off of that, to someone who I would like to think she would enjoy Lynn Nottage. Travis showed me recordings of Nina Simone singing songs from, Ooh. singing Brecht songs. Ooh, oh, right, wow. I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Nina, yeah, pretty cool. Nina was a total nerd. Like, <laughs> no, truly, like she knew yeah. fucking everything. Like, yeah. you, like, I bet she had read every fucking Brecht play. Like she was mm -hmm. just, but she also probably read like, everything else you know sure. so like yeah but but i hear that i yeah i think that's legit but again shout out like, to summer of soul by the way hey. featuring anina simone yeah. performance. oh my god fucking incredible. Oh, yeah, it's one of my favorite oh my god i cried like and a Quest baby Love, we love you man what a oh, great shout out to Oscar quest love win. yes uh, took too long to make it Oscars, but i'm glad but, it was made regardless yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on winning. um okay what what else is there to say about this play we, we, we it's a show it's that I something. really, I, I, this doesn't happen often. As a matter of fact, when we get to sweat next week, it's the exact opposite for me. I read this and then really wanted to see a production. Um, I want to see it visualized. I went looking at the production stills and all that. And um, it, because I think there's so much theatricality uh, within it and potentiality within it in terms of, of being a theater, a live experience uh, that I really want to see a production. So if anybody's doing one, let me know, because I'll go see it. I think there's something in it, too, that's convicting to any modern day audience. And this might be a little too, I don't know, political, like, I don't know. Uh, but the whole idea that what's being fought over and what's being mined is Colton, which is a mineral used for smartphones. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is <laughs> huge issue. I mean, you so know, we all I mean, have a part Apple... to play in that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Whether yeah. we're like, this is terrible. Well. <laughs> <laughs> look at yourself. Look at your choices. Yeah. Right? Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Scott, I felt similarly. I also because uh, Bailey was saying like, I would love to see a production of this when we were talking about it off mic, and I thought perhaps part of the ability to dissociate and detach for me while reading it was because I was not watching a right. live performance. And one more reason I was like, I'm, I think I'm a little grateful for that in this moment, but I would yeah. love to see, because I know it would, it would wreck me. It would definitely yeah, wreck so. me. Right. I think yeah. so. I think you're right. I think reading it, it pulls you back away from it just a little further. I think seeing it would be tough. 
Um, there's this great Ben Brantley, who we've we've uh, quoted on the podcast before, a New York Times reviewer, um, has this interesting quote I want to read. It starts like it's going to be a patronizing, like really patronizing uh, review of this. But by the end of it, it makes sense. So at first you're going to be like, OK. And then at the end you're like, oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so I wanted to disclaim. But it starts, uh, Ms. Nottage, the wide-ranging, increasingly com- increasingly confident author of Intimate Apparel and Fabulation, hooks her audience with promises of a conventionally structured, purposefully plotted play, stocked with sympathetic characters and informative topical detail. She delivers on those promises. Now Ooh, that's... Huh? That guy loved the so sound he got of his own there. voice. No, no, that's the first half. That's the part that I read and went, okay, you're an asshole. And then this is the second part of the quote, which I like. Yet, a raw and genuine agony pulses within and finally bursts through this sturdy framework, giving ruined an impact that lingers beyond its well-shaped sentimental ending. Miss Nottage has endowed the frail-seeming Sophie, as well as the formidable Mama, with a strength that transforms this tale of ruin into a clear-eyed celebration of endurance. Ooh. <laughs> I like it, especially yes. with that reading. That's how yeah. he talks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Channeling. As a raw like and a... genuine agony pulses through this play. Yes. Just a great cult leader. He, I will be a great cult, yeah. I have been for 45 minutes now. Yeah. Um, well. So, well, I've been okay. The first 10, 10 minutes were tough. Uh, this play wins the Pulitzer Prize for drama. No biggie. No biggie. It also wins Drama Desk Award for Outstanding Play. It got, gets nominations for Actress, Featured Actress, uh, which was uh, Condola Rashad, who is a daughter of Felicia Rashad. Yes. Um, yeah. She, uh, she got raves for it. Yes. Uh, and then Kate gets a nomination for Direction, and it wins for Outstanding Music in a Play. We love. Right. Uh, which, by the way, we're going to play one of the songs uh, that was written for this play uh at the tail end of this episode we're not gonna get a pam song this miniseries she's moving she's got a lot going on we're gonna give yeah. her a break we're, poor, she's poor written, pam. She's poor written pam. a song for for like 35 i think you said scott 35 playwrights now so we're gonna give her a fucking break goodness give that woman some crumbs we're gonna give her some crumbs we're gonna throw she her some gets crumbs plenty the of podcast of joy yeah, peanut peanut crumbs not even full peanuts um, <laughs> ground nuts ground nuts yes. uh i'm gonna name my next play ground nuts uh, <laughs> um so drama desk gets a bunch of shit uh it wins the outer critics circle award for new off-broadway play it gets nominated for some drama league. It wins best play and playwright and and lead actress at the Lucille Lortel Awards. It wins everything it's nominated for at the Obie Awards. It wins best awesome. American play. Uh, Quincy wins, Sato wins, and Russell wins. So we have we've 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 killed the game here. They it won basically <laughs> everything it needed to win. All right. Ruined rocks. We love <laughs> ruined, um, and it is. It's published as not just a play. I think actually the one I have is like the more legitimate. Like once something is a Pulitzer Prize winner, they put out like the Pulitzer Prize version they of get, the play with the, the gold sticker, sticker on there. Yeah. yeah, and it's like on like book lists. It's not just on like best plays of the. It's on like best books of 
2000 you know like it's that's pretty cool to me yeah um anyway yeah that's that's all i got on this one y'all got anything else i just got a little thing here and my um copy of the norton anthology of drama volume two pj talks about her norton anthology oh you got one too the which norton the norton anthology just say yes yeah, hold it up. Yes, you got the it. Thing, <laughs> the thing you had, the thing you had in college that was like seven hundred plays, and it was just like a giant textbook with like a random black and white picture on the front. You've talked about it on the podcast. It's my major dramatist book that I talked about that has a billion plays in it. Uh, Quite the same. It has a fellow oh, on the front. I had major dramatist also. I just assumed yeah. this was the same thing. Anyway. <laughs> Same shit, different toilet. <laughs> Digressions. <laughs> well, this is the last play in in this edition, and you know they all start out with like little blurbs. And to your point about Breck and Mother Courage, I guess that was Lynn's original concept for Ruin to be an adaptation of his Mother play Courage. in the DRC context. But after she traveled to Africa in two thousand four, and again in two thousand five to enter to interview Congolese women, her plan changed. And she says, I found my play ruined and their painful narratives and the gentle cadences and the monumental space between their gasps and sighs. The woman felt it was important to go on record, which is why my play is not about victims, but survivors. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yes. I might've missed this if you said it, but am I correct that she also was originally, it was going to be set amidst the iraq war mm-hmm. she originally was, yeah, she, she was yeah, gonna do that was, that's yeah. right okay that's yeah. so like i just feel like it's that's so beyond a play that we needed at that time like we i don't know that we needed that play if right. that makes sense i mean yeah. she would have done something incredible and brilliant because she's lynn nottage but she like, might still do something who knows <laughs> hey that's true but yeah like at the time i just feel like it's sort of like right now when like covid plays or like covid movies happen i'm like mm-hmm. i don't need that right now i don't yeah. need yeah. it give yeah. it to me tell me a story i'm already living right let's but write like... a musical about the flu of 1918. <laughs> <laughs> okay oh. uh, call it yeah. the great sick yeah I'll, I'll be in it i don't i don't know that i want to help Casper will be our lead. That, i don't but... want to produce but i'll perform yeah. <laughs> casperofficial.com um, <laughs> i to your point tj about like and maybe she still will i think that i am so like inspired by her ability and i'm sh- i know that this is not just a lynn Nottage specific thing but by her ability to be inspired by her environment, her circumstance, and then sit on something for a long time and still come back. Like, to know I've got an idea, I'm inspired, I wanna do something with this and put it in her pocket. Like she graduated in 1989 and then did her work with Amnesty International. And then this play is like 20 years later. Is that, did I do math right? Yeah, about, yeah. I mean, about, yeah. Yeah, and a lot, and just like, yeah, it's we're what we're year smart was this? Two thousand four, yeah, two thousand nine. That's a decade, a decade. Okay, a decade. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I just think that that years if it was since, since yeah eighty nine. Yeah, it was when she was first around the. I don't know. Math. You're the historian. <laughs> well, 
If it's wrong, you can just cut all of this out and everyone triple it. Quadruple it. <laughs> Put a bar on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think just it's as as someone who um, someday hopes to be chilling on my goat farm in New Zealand, just writing plays um, <laughs> and them being brilliant. Sometimes I just feel like, you know, you need to, you've got an idea, you gotta, you gotta do something with it now or else it'll never happen. I'm like, you, you got time. Maybe just be taking everything and know what's moving you, what's important, what you want to say and speak yeah. on. And yeah. that eventually you can, you can and you will yeah. because she could and she did. Yeah. I think that's a phenomenal final word for this episode. Here, here. I, I the, the last thing we need to do and, and obviously, we, we've got a lot of resources in our um, bio for every episode. There's always tons of resources in there. You can find link trees. You can find Marsha P. Johnson. Or, like, there's a thousand things to click on in there. Click on them. Go check them out. But also uh, for this episode specifically, we might add in a little bit of extra information, just a couple of websites you can go to where you can read about FGM and some of the things that are happening in case you don't know so Great. much. But also just like Great idea. read this play. Yeah. yeah. Um, so play. that it's a more humanized uh, version of the story and not just trauma porn, uh, as we talked about before. Uh, but to close it out, something we like to do is uh, promote the things surrounding us in L.A., but also uh, promote what Casper's got going on. So uh, put your put the sound here, right here. <laughs> L.A. Spotlight. Casper, what do you got going on right now? What do you want to yeah. promote? You know, I realized last week that the thing I promoted, I could have wait to could have waited to promote because the thing I'm going to promote now will be over by the time this episode comes out. But I'm going to tell you, yeah, probably. Am I am I allowed to say that? <laughs> no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your faces are saying you. No, no. I was reacting. No, it's correct. DJ's okay. <laughs> My cat's harassing me. That's what I was reacting yeah. to. I okay. apologize. Great, great, great. Yeah. I'm with um, you, Casper. I'm listening. Sorry, Amazing. sorry, Casper. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's no, no maybe cats I won't steal all of your money. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh Leave me a fiver. No money. Yeah. <laughs> no play money. Um, I have been uh, helping organize for about four months now uh, an event with Flux who is the trans and non-binary arm of the AIDS Healthcare Foundation. We have been organizing an event called Trans Joy Day, and it is just going to be a day of celebration. We've got performances. We've got vendors selling things. We've got photo booths. We've got food and drinks, and it's going to be on Saturday, April 23rd at the Connie Norman Transgender Empowerment Center in West Hollywood. It is the first center of its kind. It's the first trans um, community like major initiative center awesome. that it used to be a hospice there in oh, West Hollywood and yeah. now it offers resources and office space and community um, community gifts to to the community so if that's awesome that. um, you want to time travel <laughs> back a few days and join us <laughs> on April 23rd. Otherwise, I'm hoping, you know, maybe maybe uh, being a friend of the pod, y'all might, might post about it or something, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited that I'm flying back to Los Angeles for this event, and then I'll be back in New York and have some more things to talk about uh, 
New York, dead, angry, sad weather. About <laughs> that. Tasty events. You zombies. You're fucking dead. You're fucking, <laughs> fucking Brooklyn dead. zombies. Uh, Siege, you got anything? Uh, just a friend of the pod, Travis Gatz, Concrete Jungle at Loft Ensemble. Doesn't it close this weekend? No, I think it's got another week. You got another one? Yeah. I, I oh, okay. at this, by the time this is released, I will have seen it. Same. So, yeah. I, mean, I have not it's yet. Like a- Two for one if you want to hop in that time travel machine <laughs> sure, 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 and see sure. the time performance travel. this weekend yeah, and yeah. catch Transjoy Day. Yeah. Concrete Jungle, which is an adaptation of a Brecht play. That's right. If oh. I had um, of the jungle, uh, if I had a time machine, I would do a lot more than see both of those plays. But I would also, excuse me, Transjoy is not a play. You see what I mean? I would. Yeah. You, you'd do here. some things. You would also travel back in time and steal the originals I, to all of Britney Spears' songs and release them as your own? Ooh. Yes, but you know what I would do is I would actually start with Michael Jackson. Like, I know we already brought him up, but that's the one I would start with. I would I would steal Billie Jean. I would steal, like, while he's in the Jackson 5, I would go back to that time and, like, write all of his songs for him and go to him and be like, Here's this. Also, we're going to talk about your future and what that looks like. And then w- I would be his manager and none of the bad things would happen because I would be there. You would fix That's it. what I was waiting one. for. Oh, come on, white savior. Do I would that. save him and all of America. Uh, terrible. Um, I would go back and be joking. Jeffrey Dahmer's friend and save him. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, girl. <laughs> Um, I would have been one of his teachers when he was showing up drunk on scotch and be like, hey, Jeffrey, what's going on? Let's go You're hang out together. Drink together. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, what would you promote and what would you do if you could time travel? Go. Um, I would go back and I would see the original production of Hamlet just to say I was there. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, we're time what traveling. What a pretentious answer. Yeah, right? Well, Yours is worse than my white savior answer. <laughs> <laughs> you just go see a play? I just... You can go all the way back? You wouldn't fix anything else? Oh, you oh yeah, you know, maybe like, you, you know. Maybe Hitler? Maybe. Yeah, you know, Muskie. maybe, a, yeah, you know, sure. do something about, you know, you know, slavery or, you know, and maybe one of the great wars. I don't know. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's other stuff I do, but I mean, Hamlet, the original Hamlet. (laughs) Speak that speech, baby. Scott, Scott, do you have any spotlights? Uh, No, I don't. Not this week. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm producing a show with uh, two of the three other jerks on this particular show. episode of this that's true that'll be opening in june we'll promote it as we get closer we can't shut up about it so everyone listening to this better fucking come better fucking (laughs) come looking at you grease (laughs) grease grease we know you're listening (laughs) you're 10 percent of our listenership do you give us 50 listens a week yeah Ah, uh, we love y'all. We love y'all so much. Uh, if I had a time machine, I'd go back in time and uh, do this podcast all over again. Aww. Aww. And I almost, I was going to do the, the dark side version of that joke, the negative version of that joke where I say, and never do it. But then I was like, no, I, I'm being sweet. I like being sweet. Uh, thank you for joining us for part two of... The crumbs of the, what's it called? Oh, crumbs from the podcast of joy. 
Join us next week for our finale, part three. Uh, and after Nottage, we have a CJ's pick. What is it, Siege? We're going to watch Cyrano and talk about it. Cyrano to Bergerac, the new Peter Dinklage uh, musical film uh, directed by Joe Wright, which I'm a huge fan of uh, and most people aren't enjoying. I like it a lot. Um, We'll get there. We'll get there. Also, if you don't like it, send in your thoughts before we get there. Please, Maybe we'll read please, them on the please. pod. Send them. Uh, or if you do like it, actually, either one. No, just bad. Just only bad. Send in bad thoughts. I'll read those. <laughs> if you send in good thoughts, I'm not going to read them. I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to trash it. Uh, and then after that, who are we covering? Who's after Nottage? We haven't. We, it was either Lillian Hellman or Marsha Norman. Marsha Norman. We should do Marsha Norman. <laughs> Production meeting corner. I like Marsha Norman. Okay. Scott, what's your vote? Not Lillian Hellman. Okay, good. That? Marsha Norman. There we go. There Wendy we go. Wasserstein. Wendy Wasserstein, I dig. <laughs> Uh, no, I don't want to do it. We should have done her right after Terrence McNally. We should have. They were we Did Sean Gay happen? Did you, have y'all done Not it? yet. Nope. That's later this season. Yeah. That's later this season. I actually just read uh, a book of hers. <laughs> you um, have to go to there. <laughs> I actually already forgot what. Yeah, you should come back. You should come back for that one. Uh, I already took it back. I can't remember the name of it now. Somebody look it up. It's, uh, uh, I just finished a book of poetry about black dance culture by her and it's fantastic i'm already blank it's like we do it or we do it right or do it right correct forever always something like that it, everything everywhere all at once that's what it's called um, <laughs> we're gonna go watch it right now uh, that's all i got Thanks questions comments compliments email facebook twitter instagram scott Thank you, CJ. Jesus. <laughs> a big shout out to Ryan Thomas Johnson, who writes our theme song. Our theme song is better than your theme song. Yep. It's true. And CJ, if you could note it in the log. Please, please note it in Noting the log. Noting it in the log. <laughs> uh, Ryan is also an amazing human being. He writes all of our stingers, and he's just a great human being. A shout out to Pam Quinn, who's not contributing to this episode, yeah, but she normally watching. contributes wow. to every episode. <laughs> and we love her, and we're sending her out love because we know she's going through crazy time right now. But if you stay tuned, you're about to hear a, an original song from The Play Ruined performed and well written by lynn nottage um and so that's coming up and then finally a great uh, big shout out to the fantastic annie baker the pulitzer prize winning playwright who writes every single one of our episodes but uh huh? she doesn't even know it and one yeah. day annie baker we're gonna buy you a beer or a diet coke or whatever you're drinking these days <laughs> i highly recommend mango mango cart <laughs> Oh, mango juice. Yeah, sure. That too. <laughs> Love you guys. The feeling is mutual. If you can please go subscribe, rate, review. And if you review and you write something, if you write anything at all, we'll read it. But if you write something mean, like really terrible about the podcast, but still give us five stars, we'll read it twice. I'll read it with a funny voice. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> I'm very funny. Obviously. Curtain up, light the lights. You got nothing to hit but the heights. You'll be swell. You'll be great. I can tell. Just you wait. That lucky star. Later, everybody. Bye. Wow. The liquid lets go.
And dance like it's the end 